Well, happy Father's Day. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Has everyone had the butterfinger? I mean, are you awake and, you know, that kind of stuff? Um, how grateful um, we are for fathers and also for spiritual fathers who invest in us and have helped us and um, helped us in our walk with the Lord. And also just a reminder that just as we had confirmation and, and as people join the church, we talk about how, you know, we will pray for you and we will help you and we will support you. So in a sense, we're all spiritual parents, you know, in the church as far as helping each other and caring for each other, how critical that is. So the youth were at camp this week. Um, <laughs> I think the heat probably, you know, was a thing, yes, but an excellent camp. And then the children were also at camp this week, and so I think the heat was also a thing for them. Um, and the scouts were at camp this week, and I know the heat was a thing for them because they weren't able to sleep in air-conditioned places, I'm guessing. Um, so grateful for people that give of their time and give of their vacation to invest in kids. This isn't just, you know, how much can I go and sweat in the wonderful Texas heat, but it's, you know, investing in, in kids and youth, and there's probably no greater investment in that. Um, I'd like, just kind of feel like I'm supposed to say to the youth as, as we pray for you guys, um, just in, as you're back from camp, hold on to what you've attained. Sometimes it's easy to get back and things are going on, but whatever God did there, Hold on to it. He still does stuff here too. But as God moved in your lives, that's very precious. Um, I'm here to say that John Allen is fine. He's not sick. He's prayer walking on all the golf courses in the Dallas area. So he will be, he's going to be out three weeks and uh, I'll preach next week and then Shiv will preach on the fourth. Um, so it's a blessing to be here with you today. We talked about the scripture from Moses, and I know that's a little bit weird. You're kind of going, where is she going to go with this? But just kind of summarize real fast the story of Moses or the, kind of the story of the Exodus. Um, we know that the uh, children of Israel went there to uh, be away from the famine. It was in the time of the Joseph. And then there came a time that they were slaves, and they were not able to, I mean, it was really, really bad. And so Moses was sent back to let my people go, and Pharaoh said, no way. And so eventually they went through the plagues, and then they left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, um, and then wandered in the wilderness. I don't know if you've ever been to the wilderness in Israel or in that top of the world, but it is hot and not much fun. So um, just saying... They needed water, they needed food, and so within three days, they were like saying, have you brought us here to die? You know, oh, how wonderful it was in Egypt, and it wasn't wonderful in Egypt, but anyway, God provided food, he provided water, um, and then Moses, they got to Mount Sinai, and Moses then uh, went up on the mountain to receive the word of the Lord, and in that time, he was gone about 40 days. And in that time, the people down with Aaron were kind of like, okay, so where's this dude? Where's Moses? We're afraid maybe he's died or something or he's gone off. So make for us a God to lead us on, which was a no-no, right? 
and so Aaron said, okay, bring all your gold, all your stuff, we'll put it in the fire. And they did, they burned it down, and the scripture says he crafted it. He crafted the, the golden calf. And um, Moses and Joshua heard it on the mountain. They said, that, you know, there proceeded to be a huge party. I'm being gracious in saying the word party. Um, but it was not cool what was going on with the children of Israel down below. So Moses comes down the mountain, sees that they're worshiping, sees that they're going nuts. Um, he said to Aaron, what did you do? And Aaron, the best of all time probably, said, you know, we just threw the gold into the fire and out popped this calf, you know? And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So there, go, there proceeds to be a conversation between God and Moses on whose people they were. And God is saying, the people you brought out of Egypt, Moses, you take them on. I'm not going with you. And Moses was saying, Lord, these are your people, and you let us out, and we need you. And this goes on for about a chapter and a half. And finally, God says, you know, I mean, he's saying, you know, he's mad, he's not happy. Uh, Moses, in his anger, broke the tablets um, that he was holding. Some people might say, you know, Moses needed anger management classes, but, but part of it was the covenant had been broken. And so that was symbolic in the breaking of the clay tablets that he was holding. In this, there's an important scripture where Moses is speaking to God and he says, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And so it goes on, and Moses goes back up to the mountain, as Chiv read, you guys. An important passage to talk about that I'd like to talk about the Father's heart and how we see God and how he sees us and how important that is for all of us. So the scripture says that the Lord passed before him then and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but wait, visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is a description of God's nature, especially the beginning I mean, we kind of don't like the by no means clearing the guilty. That's why we repent, right? But that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love, meaning it is guarded, steadfast love, to the thousandth generation. He is faithful and loving. God is also holy. So he loves us and calls us his children if we've accepted Jesus as our savior. But at the same time, he is holy and we all have sinned. And in sinning, we need to be able to repent, ask for forgiveness and receive his love. The father draws us to himself by the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know your testimonies. I, don't, I hear the testimonies when the kids do confirmation, but, but I don't know all of your testimonies, but it's the Holy Spirit who draws us to him and keeps us. 
watches over us. Can people choose? Yes, they can choose. There's free will. But when we accept Christ, we are his children. And it's hard to even, at least it's hard for me, to even get my head around that. That the creator of the universe, the one who died on the cross for me, that I'm his child. And we are heirs to all that he has. And we can call him Abba Father. I mean, really, really a miracle. Scripture is very clear about talking about generations and how things are passed from one to another. And if you've ever filled out a medical form recently or y'all are with me, right? I mean, there's all that stuff that you have to put down. You know, did anybody on your mother's side have high cholesterol or whatever? I mean, all that kind of stuff. And even as that can be passed down, so spiritual things can be passed down. We can pass down, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes, but we can also pass down spiritual things. When Lauren was about two days old, maybe, um, my sister-in-law, Lisa, who's here today, my brother is here today, um, Lisa was holding Lauren, and she said she just made a face like Tommy makes. Now, it wasn't crying, but she arched her eyebrow, and it was just like Tom. And you see that, you know, you see the DNA, you see how it works. Right now in counseling, people do genograms. And it's to look at family history, and it's to look at processes, it's to look at patterns. We see those patterns in, even in Genesis with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, um, when he was in Egypt because there was a famine where he was, and so he and his wife went to Egypt, and he said, say that you're my sister, because you're beautiful and they'll kill me if they know I'm your husband. Now that happened twice. And then with Isaac, the very same thing happened with his wife, say you're my sister. And then we know about Jacob, right? Had trouble telling the truth, was in his own life deceived. Um, An amazing story there. As we look at things of the past and we look at our relationship with God and our, our family of origin, this is not about blame, but it is about recognition. And it is important to just realize that, you know, if something happened, pretending like it didn't doesn't make it go away. It still pops up. It just does. It would be nice if it doesn't, but it does. For the godly things in our lineage, we give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for the godly things that have been passed down. But if things are not of God then that needs to be really dealt with and we need to ask God to break the pattern. So what do we do? Well, I think you submit to God. I think I submit to God. That when there are patterns in our lives or there are things from our history that we are not, that we are concerned about or we see that pattern, it can be broken by the power of God. He made us. He's the one that can do that. My mother uh, used to love uh, looking at history and family history and all that kind of stuff, and which was very, very cool. And the time came when we were able to see some of it and going through it, uh, I noticed a distant relative uh, many years ago who had slaves. And I was horrified. I was horrified. And I know I didn't personally own the slaves, but it was in my family lineage. 
And so I repented over that because it was like to own another human being, you know, and I know it was a different time. I know it was a different day. It was still wrong. And so repentance, it's not about blame, but it is about recognition and committing it to God. I want you to think about sometimes things spoken over us. There are generational things that kind of come down. Some people call them generational curses. Some people just call them like patterns, generational patterns. Whatever you're comfortable with, that's fine, but it still happens. Things spoken over us can also be a huge thing. And it, again, I think people try to do the best they can do, but we can either speak blessing or cursing. And, and so I want to be on the blessing side. A friend um, I knew years ago who was a worship leader, not David, you don't know him, um, but this guy was telling his testimony, and as a kid he hated school because he was dyslexic. He could not read. He could not read. It was always jumbled. And so that was really scary for him. And report card time, he was not a fan of because his mom would look at the report card and just go, you know, because it was not good. And so he recalled one time that his mom was kind of railing about it. And she said to him, Bill, you're not worth a expletive. And that's what he heard. And the rest of the sentence was, if you can't learn how to read. But what burned on him was, Bill, you're not worth, you're not worth. And it took a long time for him to realize to break the power of those words. So as words have been spoken over us, and sometimes it happens, sometimes as parents, I think we do the best we can, but I've had to ask both my children for forgiveness for things that I did that were wrong. If we, can't, if we can't forgive, then how do we say I'm a sinner? Because in salvation, we repent of our sin and ask for forgiveness, so then we should forgive one another. So forgiveness is huge in all of this, as is repentance. I don't know that it's an easy, pat answer and everything is done, but I do think we ask God to break the pattern. Um, alcoholism uh, ran in my family. My dad struggled with alcoholism. And of the four children, two were alcoholics. And my brother was able to, um, not the brother here, <laughs> the, um, Scott was able to um, get off of that, get off of alcohol, but he has to be careful. Uh, my sister drank heavily. Um, and that's not to dishonor them, but it's to realize I have to be careful. And, and we break those kind of situations, but at the same time, realizing I don't need to then go order a margarita, right? And that's for me. I don't care what you do. But for me, I have to be careful because of that lineage. I believe God breaks the power of it. I believe that's what he does, but I'm not going to go to, you know, the liquor store and load up. I have to be careful. As you think about things that have been said over you, I want you to think about what does God say? What does God say about you? And he says you are precious in his sight. 
He says that he loves you with an everlasting love. Think about what God says. Sometimes um, I will watch TV, which I'm guessing all y'all do too. If you don't, I'm impressed. But I watch a lot of vet shows because they're just fun and animals are fun and there's not really trauma uh, usually, you know, and shows that are like the zoo and all that kind of stuff. So last night I was watching and a couple came in uh, with a pig. Now it was a pot belly pig when they bought it. It was no longer little. I mean, they're cute when they're little, right? And I apologize in advance if some of you own a herd of pot belly pigs, you know, I apologize. But they bring him in and he had uh, conjunctivitis. He had pink eye. And you could kind of tell that. It didn't take rocket science to tell that. And the parents, the, or the, the man and wife, were like, oh, it's going to be okay. Talking to the pig. Talking to the pig. And I get it that, you know, you talk to your dog and all that stuff. We grew up with dogs. I get that. But they had named him Ernest. Okay, now who names a pig Ernest? Is, doesn't that sound kind of weird? I mean, if they named him Bacon, maybe, you know? Anyway, just saying, y'all know that's what happens. So the mom, well, I don't know. If, I, I don't think they had kids because he was their kid. She said at the end they were doing a recap, you know, and Ernest was going to be okay. He was going to make it. I was really worried. But <laughs> Ernest, Ernest, she said, I quote, we just want him to be happy every day, end quote. Now, he's a pig, right? You know, and, and like with our children, you know, I mean, yes, I want my kids to be happy, but that's not the real world every day. And I don't prepare them for life if there aren't sometimes sad days, not that I try to make sad days. There are enough that come along, right? But to be happy every day, and for that to be your focus is really kind of amazing. Do we, do we see ourselves with God, not like a pig, because, you know, Jewish law and all that stuff. But um, some of you got that, some of you did not. Um, are we willing to trust him, whether it's happy or not, whether it's easy or not, whether we're at camp or not, are we willing to trust him with just everyday stuff? We thank God for what he's done in our lives and the families that he's placed us in. Um, I can confess that I've had <laughs> questions about that uh, in my life. But to know that, that he sees and for generational things by his power I believe that can be broken. But then, as in with a covenant, we have to walk in faithfulness. We have to hold on. We have to hold on. Um, we were going through kind of a difficult time, and Robert was needing to make a decision about seeing someone. Um, and he, one of the things he said just struck me. He said, um, that's not worth my peace. And whatever your peace is, our peace in God, it's worth guarding. 
and protecting. Shalom just doesn't mean peace, it means completeness and wholeness. Um, we saw a counselor for about eight years. Uh, she went to be with the Lord about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, Maria Alvarez. She was outstanding. And she would end each session, and some of the sessions were like gut-wrenching. It wasn't like, well, maybe in the first grade, I fell down on the playground. You know, it was huge stuff. And yet, at the end of all of it, she would say, Shalom. Shalom. God's peace. God's peace over us. Number six, in number six, the... Um, God is speaking to Moses and he said, tell Aaron to say this to the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. There is only peace when we are with God. My opinion but I don't think there's any peace outside from receiving Jesus as your Savior, from recognizing in love what family of origin or history or whatever was there. This isn't blame, but it's, it is about recognizing because there's not healing without truth. And sometimes truth is hard to say, but there's not healing without truth. So I encourage you this day to ask God to bring healing where it needs to happen in your life. If things have been said or, you know, whatever, I don't know. But I know God is the one that brings healing. God is the one that breaks the power of the words. God is the one that we look to. Hear the words of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make a space to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And Lord, for every situation, everything maybe you have brought to mind this day, God, we thank you for your power, that you're the one that breaks the chains. You're the one that sets the prisoner free. We honor you, Lord. Amen. Amen.